Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Holiday, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And welcome to week three of Advent. Our word for this week is joy. (laughs) And that's why we have the pink candle. I know a lot of you already know this, but for those of you who don't, and you are thinking, what is with the pink candle? Well, the deal is this, that it is meant to remind us that even in our seasons of fasting and repentance and introspection, you know, even in this time where we are striving to look at ourselves and end the year stronger than we started and grow in our holiness and all of that, we have to remember that the joy of the Lord remains. And so the pink candle serves as a reminder that Joy is present even in every season. You know, when they were celebrating Advent all hundreds of years ago, not so much today, but hundreds of years ago, everybody would have committed to fasting from something. And so when the, by the time they got to this third week and they lit that, that uh, pink candle, they would call all fasts off. And just for that one day, they would feast. And I bet they had a great time eating whatever it was that they had been fasting from. But it it served as a reminder, sort of in two ways. One, that even when we're going through the hardest of seasons, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that our joy can remain. And then it also served as a sort of a precursor or a foretaste or, uh, you know, a little teaser or appetizer is what it was, just to whet their appetites for the feast that was coming on Christmas Eve. They, for this one day, they had a chance just to taste it, just a little bit of it, and would heighten the excitement and the anticipation of the feast that was to come. I hope it's going to mean that for you this year. I feel uh, really privileged because this week God was able to sort of show me what this whole concept is about in a very tangible way. So I'm grateful for this. Uh, We, you know, we're going to enter into the week of Tracy Minor again. I hope this helps you because this is a lot of what today is going to be about is just sort of what I feel like God has taught me this week. I'm sure you're tired of hearing about my move, but my move keeps going on and on and on. So, uh, you know that since August, we have been in this process of moving, and several times we thought, oh, there's, we're, we've, you know, we're, we're in escrow on this house, oh, then that falls out, and someone's in escrow on our house, and that falls out, and then we're, you know, we get a new house, oh, that's the new house, oh, we're going to get that house, you know, so we sort of have gone through many ups and downs with this, but finally, um, we, you know, were able to close on our house, our new house, in Ladera Ranch, California. I'm so excited about it. Um, We're not in it yet. Uh, We're living in an Airbnb, but our house was uh, officially ours on Monday of this past week. And we got the keys and everything, and it was so awesome. It was like this big celebration, and we're so excited. And then we got into it, and the workers came over the next day. Just there's a few things that need to be fixed, you know, before moving to the house. And thought, oh, we'll take advantage of this time. We have our Airbnb until Saturday, so we could take advantage of this time to not be, you know, ha- be have workmen and all of that going on underfoot, which we've been living with workmen in our house. Definitely for, for three months, we, we had, we, that's how we were living in our old house with just, you know, 
of workmen in every single day fixing foundation and at one point I had guys under my house and over my house at the same time while we're all trying to work and do school inside the house. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, but anyway, you know, you get the picture. So we finally get our keys and the workmen, the workmen come over and we start talking about everything that needs to be done. And we had estimated in our, in our minds how long it would take. <laughs> first problem in our minds. And we had decided that we would be able to move in on Saturday and they could get everything done by then. Well, we, we find out, of course, that when reality comes in, that it's going to take a, a little bit longer than those few days to be able to do it. And so he was like, well, it's going to take about eight to 10 days for us to do that. So in the middle of it, we're just you know, we'd come back down to our, oh man, keeps going on and on and on. But in the midst of that, you know, we're getting all this, all this stuff worked on. And I, I found myself becoming like, um, I don't know, just, I just felt like distressed inside. It wasn't necessarily anxiety. I thought, because I'm not really worried about, things, you know, the paint and counters and stuff like that. That doesn't bring me a huge amount of anxiety. Um, I'm not truly worried about a lot of that stuff, but I did feel disrest. And so I, my, my heart, my soul was disturbed within me, as the psalmist would say, even though I'm embarrassed to talk, to talk about and admit that little things like that, you know, like cabinets and counters and colors would make me, you know, distressed or disturbed when I know that the psalmist wrote that when there was probably really serious things going on. But it was the way that it was. So I was distressed or disturbed. And so I was talking to God about it and I was like, what is the deal? You know, what, why am I feeling this way? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and I was just feeling all this unrest and I felt like God almost specifically, uh, I felt like I could hear him say this. He said, you're, you're going through this whole process without me. You're leaving me out of the process. And I started thinking about how this is exactly in line with what God has been trying to teach me because I, you know, I got to this moment and immediately I went into my, you know, task mode. That's who I am. I'm a task mode person. You guys have heard me say it a million times before. I have, you know, I, I get into this task mode and, you know, relationship mode is out. I'm just fully into the task and people are over here somewhere, you know, like my children, uh, my husband, my ministry, whoever, you know, whatever I have to do, you know, the relationships like, you know, you just have to wait. And because I'm getting something done. And uh, for years, I've been praying, you know, God help me remember people over task, task. I mean, people first, task second. I have to keep telling myself that. But I had gone into full on task mode. And I realized that I wasn't even, I was even leaving God out of that. It wasn't just people. It's like I had slipped out of relationship mode altogether. I'm just completely into, I got to get this done, got to get this done, and then I can go back. And that's the way I always think. I always tend to think of, you know, we got to get this done, we get the work done, and then we can relax. We do this, and then, you know. And I felt like God was like, didn't, didn't you read that uh, parable from last week that you read on Simply Holy? <laughs> because if you remember the parable, he gives the guy five bags of gold, the guy goes away and he makes five bag more, five bags more, and he comes back and he says, you know, look, you gave me five bags and I got five bags more. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's 
happiness. And I don't know if I talked about that quite enough last week. I might have even left it out. He says the same thing to the guy with the two bags that comes back, you know, with four. And he says, enter into your master's happiness. It's like God is saying, good job. You did a great job. Let's have fun. Let's do it. Let's do it together. And I felt like that's what God was saying to me. He's like, all this time, you know, you made it through. You made it through living out of one suitcase for ever since August, so September, October, November, December, we're into December. You've lived out of one suitcase all that time. You lived with your mattress on the floor for most of that time. We've now been in an Airbnb. Now you're in an Airbnb where you don't, you know, you know how those are, guys. I mean, it's okay, but it's not like you have everything to make Thanksgiving dinner with. So it's been sort of this disheveled, you know, experience, but actually, I have grown so much through it. I am so grateful for it. I wouldn't trade it for anything because of all the lessons that have come through it and the way that I really have found peace in the midst of all that chaos. There have been times where I've been like, uh, you know, freaking out. But for the most part, I have found peace. And I feel like I've been walking with God all that time. But then in right when we finally get to enjoy the blessings, I'm like not even present to enjoy the blessings, number one, because I'm thinking about got to get this done, got to get this done. So I'm not enjoying picking out the colors, picking out the countertop. You know, we're not doing a ton of stuff, but even being able to pick out colors, we've never had a, a truly a professional, you know, paint job done for our entire house ever. It's always been a paint party. You know, we try to do our best, but we're horrible. We're not DIYers. And so it always looks, you know, like, Oh, I think they did it themselves. Hey, <laughs> and that's been fine. But God gave us this opportunity where we get our whole house gets to be repainted and even the little trim and everything on it gets to be redone. And it was like I was just skipping over that, not having fun with it, not being present, not walking in joy through all the tasks that had to be done. You know, all these things have to be done. Yeah. But you can choose to do it as if like, let's get this over with, you know, or you could choose to have fun with it and enter into the master's happiness. And I'm so glad I had this lesson right before we get to this lesson about joy. Because it reminded me, you know, God is all about joy. There are so many scriptures about joy. And the singing and the praise and all of that is always talk, talking about shouts of joy and all of the, the jubilation that comes and the joyful procession and rejoicing and all that. God is all about that, even in the midst of our sufferings. And I'm not even suffering. I mean, I'm just learning the lesson going through, you know, having to get things done just on a daily basis. It doesn't have to be about suffering. It could be. Remember in James 1, if you want to read that in James 1 verse 2, I'm sure you probably even have it memorized where it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I think about that, how many times I notice that the that the Bible talks about make my joy complete by being what? Like-minded. Um, make my joy complete. It I was thinking that's probably what God was saying to me. Let's make the joy complete. You've been through this hard time of testing. 
let's go in and let's enter into our my happiness together. So it totally changed everything. And from that moment on, I was able to go, this is fun. You know, so I spent a whole bunch of time, which I think part of it is just that you know, decorating and all of that, that's never, that doesn't feel like a part of my daily life. So it feels like I'm on some other land or something, but I just started entering into it with God and having a great time going through it. Um, you know, I think about how, how many trials and how many things we have going on every single day. And just this image of going through it with God actually brings joy in itself. Okay, so now I have to reference my favorite movie. Of course, all of you know. That's my favorite uh, Disney. <laughs> Maybe not my favorite movie, but my favorite Disney genre movie. And I think it's Pixar. Not, you know, it's Inside Out. So, of course, I have to tell you that if you have not watched that, you have, you, I'm commanding you and the Lord, <laughs> you have to go watch that movie. Because it helps so much to um, help you visualize what's going on inside your mind and your heart, your emotions, and how they all work together. And I just love this image of Joy, who's got on her yellow dress and she's got her blue hair. You know, she's all happy with daisies and everything. And it was funny when I was even picking out colors for my house. I was like, I want it to be a little happier, maybe like yellow. You know, So even my house reflects that I really want this Joy. But in the movie, you find out that Joy thinks that she's got it all together. She's all she needs and she doesn't need anybody else around, you know, anger and fear and, and sadness and, you know, disgust. Like it's her job to go, come on, everybody, let's, you know, let's make it more joyful around here. But she learns in this movie that actually she can't really do it all by herself. She needs sadness. We need both sadness and joy walk in together. And the way that the whole movie is resolved is that they learn how to work together. And she learns a lot. Joy learns a lot about that that sadness is necessary to be able to go into things and grieve them all the way and put them behind us. If you don't do that, you can't go on. But sadness learns a lot about hanging out with joy too. These two things go together. We can walk through the hard seasons of life with joy. So I was thinking about you know, what really, um, what, what are the things that has really helped me to transition into walking through these things with joy and considering it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds? And, you know, these won't be the same for you. You know, we all are different sort of temperaments. You know, I've told you before that I'm a one on the Enneagram. And so I have my own unique things that make me me. But here's the things that that have really stood out to me that I felt like God was really pointing out to me. And the first one was just slowing down, just slowing down. Like I feel like I was entering into this time, um, this very tangible lesson time of, of buying a new home, which is like this, gotta get it done, gotta get it done, gotta get it done. Now, there is a legitimacy to the fact that when something drags on and on and on and on, <laughs> it does kind of bring you down. But I think I had some sort of arbitrary timeline going on, as I always do, because I always want everything done yesterday, as if, you know, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I'm the kind of person who would eat so fast you don't even taste what you're eating. Now, some of you really related to that, right? You didn't even taste the food. You forgot to, you forgot to taste the food. I remember when I started into my whole way down journey, it was one of the biggest things for me was to realize that I would eat so many bites before I even remembered that I was eating or that I, you know, before you even taste it. 
And that is sort of how I am in life in general. And it sort of is this thing of telling yourself, you're going to have to just slow down. There's, but I realized as I was slowing down, as I slowed down to eat, it really helped me to become in touch with so much more. First of all, I learned a lot about the fact that I was tasting things and I was like, I actually don't even really like this. You know, things that I had told myself, you can't eat these, you know, because from years and years and years of dieting, they say, that's bad food, that's good food, you can't eat that. I was, I would... I actually was kind of teaching myself to like things, you know, just because they were sort of off the list, off limits. You know how it is, like, you don't really enjoy it, but because you can't have it, then you think, well, it's going to be great. I started eating things so slowly and tasting them and realizing, realizing I don't even like the taste. Wow, that's amazing. Well, that was the same thing that I was experiencing, that I've been experiencing now. It's like, why do you not want to slow down? And the thing, one of the things that I learned about myself um, so far, because I'm just a student in all of this, I'm learning it as I go, I started realizing, you know, because I just don't even like things that are not all the way done. Not, I don't like the process, right? I, I'm waiting for it to be perfect. And when it's perfect, then I can be happy. When it's perfect, you know, because I'm a perfectionist. And so I look at everything like, well, if it was perfect, then, then I can enjoy it. Once it's perfect, once it's done. And having to realize, you know, nothing is perfect. You know, to all perfection I see a limit, but your laws are boundless, right? That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. There's a limit to all of that. We live in a in a limited existence right now. Perfection is in heaven. That's when perfection comes. And in the meantime, I'm going to have to grow a lot in my acceptance of the process and really learning to enter into it. You know, becoming, slowing down is one thing. And I would slow down, but I would be reluctant to enter in, just like the father says or the master says in that parable. Enter into your father, to your master's happiness. And I was finding myself not entering into it. It's like I couldn't enjoy it. Well, that means that I can't enjoy myself because I'm imperfect. I got all my flaws, all my failures, all my, all my stuff. And I can't even enjoy myself um, and accept myself because I'm in process. And I had to have realized, you know, Tracy, you have an you have a an aversion to even accepting the things that are not right in yourself. And then I I obviously, if I can't do that for myself, I can't do that for other people. So I wouldn't be able to enjoy their process. And kids are certainly in the big process of life, you know, learning and growing and they're not fully formed. But am I going to wait to enjoy them until they're fully formed and perfect? You know, God doesn't do that to me. I'm the one doing that to me. God's not doing that to me. We have to be able to accept and enter into the flawed but beautiful lives that we've been given and our existence, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to wait for everybody to get cleaned up and everything to be perfect? No, we're going to enter into it and we're going to enjoy it. And I had always thought about that with Jesus, about how he was so perfect and he was, you know, so perfectly, um, he understood righteousness. He's looking around at this world that's completely unrighteous. You know, as we are, we're all looking around at how the ravages of sin and the imperfections that it's created and all of the, the sadness that's out there. But in the same, at the same time, he was joyful. He's the laughing 
Jesus. He had fun with the kids. He had fun with his disciples. Watch the chosen. You got to watch the chosen to fully get this picture. He was having fun in his existence. And yes, there were times that he wept. He wept for Lazarus. He wept when he saw the pain that Mary and Martha were in. He wept over Jerusalem because he had come to save them, but they missed it so much. And he did have times of mourning, but there are also times of joy. We have to enter into, become present. And that leads me to the spiritual practice that I want us to enter into this week. Remember, we're dusting off all these old spiritual practices that people have been doing for almost a couple thousand years to help them grow in their intimacy with God, to help them experience Emmanuel, that God is with us, and to remind us in doing things that will tangibly help us to remember that. So I want us to uh, talk about the concept of centering prayer this week, and this is actually something that has helped me. So when we think about, when we talk about centering prayer, first thing I want to say is I'm not good at it. So this is something that you really, really have to investigate for yourself. If you get into it more, there's other people that can lead you through it better. I've already shared with you the Presence Project uh, with Summer Joy Gross, and she is really great at it. Um, I got to hear the best lesson this week, and I'm going to link it for you. And it is um, a conversation with a Trappist monk, and he starts this conversation about prayer, and he's entering, he's trying to help people enter into this centering prayer. But I'm just going to give you the download of what I've learned so far, it's totally incomplete, but sort of get you started on this road, because I have to tell you, it has helped me so much more than I thought it would. Okay, so centering prayer. The idea behind it, as I understand it, is that it's a chance for you to regain your balance. This is the way I think about it. So you know, when you are when you picture a gymnast trying to do all these hard things on the balance beam, right? Well, you find that they're doing all this stuff, but at some points they just have to regain their balance. And you can think about this even when you're trying to do something, when you're trying to do yoga or when you're trying to do something that throws you off balance. You know, you need just a minute to regain your balance, to regain your posture. So you'll return to a posture that you're familiar with in yoga and so that you can regain your balance. And this is what I think about when I think about centering prayer. And, you know, one of the things that you want to do as you enter into it is you want to be able to just simplify. You want to simplify um, your experience at the moment. And this is why I think about it. When I'm going about my spiritual life, when I'm going about my regular life, which is my spiritual life, just going about my regular life and I've got all these, you know, I've got all the demands of the people around me. My husband needs this. My kids need that. My ministry needs that. My my work, I've got to do this. Oh, my students over here, they need that. And things start to get really super complicated. And even when you're just looking at the world around you and you're trying to, I don't know, catch up on the conversations that the world is having. I Somebody 
emailed me the other day about a conversation that's been going on about the vaccines. And I hadn't even heard, I hadn't even heard of it. Then, you know, there's this debate going on about this vaccine and all this. I hadn't even heard of it yet. So then you start entering into your mind about like, well, what do I think about that? And what are the sides of that? You know, you're trying to, you know, think about all these complex conversations that are going on in the world around us. And there's, you know, even though both sides wants to make it look black and white, very dualistic, they're the bad guys, we're the good guys, you know, each one think that there's so many nuances in there. And we know that really the answer is found in this compromise in the middle. But you know, you don't hear that. Um, so things can get really complicated. And I can find that that brings dis-ease to my soul. It's a disease. I, I really start to feel um, just this, this disruption in my peace, where the peace of Christ is not ruling in my heart anymore. And so I have to pull myself back and just simplify everything. I even found this, and maybe some of you can relate to this, in the Advent season itself. The season that is meant to simplify, the season that is meant to give us a chance just to, you know, decompress and pull back. I have found that there's so many resources being thrown at me that I actually feel like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up. And I want to warn you about a feeling. If you're starting to get this feeling during Advent that you can't keep up with all the Advent stuff, Oh, I want to, I want to pull you back. I want to pull you back because that's Satan getting in there. He's trying to make it complicated. It's not complicated. You know, I've, I realized I have this book, you know, the wait, wait for the light book. And then I've got a book about, you know, from that Bonhoeffer wrote when he was in prison. And then I've got, you know, uh, the book that the Ann Voskamp thing for our family. And then I've got, you know, dwell app has something coming in and Biola, uh, you know, has something coming in. And then, you know, even in our church, we've got the daily reading for it. You know, and there's just so many resources thrown at you. You can feel like you have to keep up with them all. You do not have to keep up with any of them. Okay. I will, I will, here's a confession. It's not even a confession. Here's how I've been doing it this year is that all I have done every single day of Advent is I've taken the word that we're on, whether it be um, hope, peace, or joy. And I read one scripture that includes that word. And I just let it sink in. I let it, I let it go into my soul. I let it just be something that I marinate in for that, that time with God in the morning. Most of you, if you've been following on the Facebook page or Instagram, I usually share those, that one scripture, and that's all I need. I don't need to read a big article. I don't need to read a lesson. I don't need to read anything. I just am meditating on the word for that week. And that's all I need. And it simplifies things. You know, we need things that simplify. That's why it's called simply holy. We're not trying to be the best. We're not trying to go out and cre recreate everything. We don't need to do that. We just need to be keep it simple. So this idea of simplifying is always at the beginning of centering prayer for me. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take the chaos of my mind and the chaos of my spirit, and I want to get check for balance again. I'm, I'm getting my balance. I'm getting centered. I'm getting focused and balanced again. So in that same way, we find a word. We find just a word or an image of God. Now, some of you who are like, you got to go make it happen. You're fast people. You know, I'm going to go out. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to do all this stuff, you know, which we do need to do, by the way. But I'm just saying, if you're that kind of person that's always do, 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 do. This is going to be hard for you at the beginning, but you, but you can discipline yourself. 
okay? And you may not have ever thought this way before, but I want to encourage you to start thinking this way. I want you to think about how you picture God. When you go to God, what is your image of him? You know, I've been doing these, um, I don't know what they're called, but uh, on that, the Presence Project, they will lead you through, she will read to you a scenario, a scene, and you put yourself in it. You try to imagine yourself in it. You try to see it before you. And she has done that with uh, some stories of Jesus. And I started realizing I do have an image of what I think Jesus looks like. Whether it's accurate or not, doesn't matter. It does not matter. We don't have the, uh, what is it, you know, when you are trying to make a movie out of a book, you know, and they're trying to cast it. We don't have a casting agent. We don't have all of that here. You can have an image of Jesus that makes sense to you. And I do have one. Um, Also, what is your image of God when you're going to him as a father? When you're going to him, what is that image? What does he look like? So you can get this image. And then what you want to do is you want to be able to find a posture or a word that helps you to enter into that time with your father or with Jesus, whichever way you want to picture it, so that you have the ability to picture yourself for however long you're going to be able to do it, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long you're going to build up to it, where all you're doing is you're being with him. You're just being. And you might have a word that means something to you. might be held That's the one that um, Summer shares, and I feel like that's such a good one because lots of times I picture myself just sitting at the feet of Jesus with my head laying down on his lap. That's how I picture it, and just being there, and he's holding me. I need to be held. Um, You know, I need to to feel his presence, and that's why I'm trying to put myself in the presence of God in an image, in a posture, or in a word. I have a word right now that I'm really focusing on, and it's acceptance. Acceptance. Because that is my my own personal road to recovery, is that I am learning to accept that I am flawed, I have failures, and at the exact same time, Jesus loves me. God loves me. It's not, I have these and, but God loves me anyway. No, he loves me. That's the, in the words of my spiritual director, my spiritual, I have a spiritual director now. I'm so excited. Um, But, you know, she's like, picture that he loves you at the same time. It's not in spite of those things. Like, I love you in spite of those things. No, it's at the same time he loves me completely. I am covered by his blood. I'm I am held in his arms. So I I am loved. So this acceptance, he accepts me. I'm accepted. And I can accept myself, acceptance for myself, acceptance for other people, that they're all in the middle of their own process. They don't have to have gotten something. They don't have to have seen something. Don't, they don't have to be here or there. I'm accepting where they are in their process. Acceptance, that's my word right now. Okay, so you enter into this time 
and you meditate and you just sit in this centering place, it's centering prayer, where you don't say a word, you don't ask for anything, you're not asking for blessings, you're not doing your acts prayer, you're not doing anything, you're not asking for anything, you're just being with God. Now I want you to think about what it would feel like to start your day with just being with God. Now, all those of you that are parents, and you had that time in your life, this is a beautiful time, and if you're in this time in your life, do not rush through it, where your kids in the morning stag- stagger out of their bedrooms or whatever they do, or maybe they bound out of their bedrooms. You know, you've got a few different kinds of kids, right? Those that wake up like, let's go, what are we doing today? And then you have the other ones like, eh. But somehow they find their way to your bedroom. And if you're the kind of person that's still sleeping at that time, they come and they wake you up and they crawl into bed with you. And you guys just all lay there together. Maybe it's a Sabbath day and your husband is there too and you guys are all just laying there. Or maybe you're a single mom and you just get to enjoy that snuggling time with your kids where you don't have to get ready for work. And you're just enjoying that time together. This is how you will be in your time with God, your centering prayer. You're crawling into bed with your heavenly father and you just get to lay there and there's no expectations there's no agenda there's no well get up we got to get going we got to get going no we're not rushing off to work you're just going to sit there and be with God and you start your timer on your phone and try to try five minutes the first day just do five minutes the first day and, I, and you're going to think, oh, I, I'm stink at this. I'm not good at this because my mind keeps wandering to other things. And I keep thinking about things I have to do. And think, blah, 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 blah. I know, I know, I know. But here's what I want you to think about it. As those thoughts come through your mind, don't judge. Don't judge yourself. Don't get down on yourself. You're going to think about it as if you're sitting on the front porch with God, perhaps. You're sitting on there. You know, when you're sitting on the front porch, I'm from the South, so we all have front porch. You sit on the front porch. The neighbors are walking by. The neighbors are driving by. All you do is you wave at hey. And, you know, maybe if they're walking by, they'll be like, it's a nice day, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice day. Good weather. Oh, how the mosquitoes over there? You know, they might say a few words, but you just let them go by. You don't get up and go out to the, you know, in, in the street and engage in a conversation with them. You don't get in the car with them. You don't have to get in the car. You just wave it on and they go by. And then you get back to whatever conversation it was you were having with your husband or your family or whoever's on the porch with you. And that's how I want you to think about this time. You can see those thoughts. Don't judge them and don't be mean to them. Just wave at them. Okay, get got it. You don't have to get in the car. Just let them go by and then return. And remember this. Every time that happens, you can either, you know, be down on yourself like, oh, I'm so undisciplined and I, I can't even meditate for five minutes or I can't even do this for five minutes. I'm so bad. Or you can think, oh, yeah, I had so many opportunities today to return In that five minutes, I had so many opportunities to return my focus to how much God loves me or being held by him or acceptance or whatever it is. So reframe it so that it's more chances to grow and be with God and learn the centering prayer. And then maybe after a while, you'll get to bump it up to 10 minutes, to 15 minutes, to 20 minutes of just being accepted, just being accepted held, just being loved. Whatever your word is, God is going to bring it to you. It's a big deal. It's a big deal what God brings to you. That word that he brings to you is going to be like life. It's like taking a sip, taking a bite of the feast that is to come. Because the truth is we can find joy 
in our trials, in our situations, in our confusion, in all the suffering or just the busyness of life, we can find that joy, that foretaste of glory divine in these centering times. And it's what gives us the ability to consider it pure joy when you're going through all kinds of times because we have that foretaste of what's to come. When all will be well, when all is perfect, when all is made right, we are going to see that day. And this gives us reminders throughout the day, helps us to come back to that place, that center, that balance that we have walking in this world, but anticipating the one to come. So I hope all of you will join me uh, this week in a quest to learn centering prayer. I think that it, even though it can feel at times like you're so bad at it, even the littlest effort produces so much fruit. So thank you for joining me this week. I know this one was a little bit longer than normal, but I'm always so grateful that you are here. I love going through the Advent season with you and the whole 70 days until 2021, which we are getting pretty close, and I'm excited that I get to do it with you. So remember this, God has already made perfect those who are being made it's a process. Fall in love with the process and I'll see you next time.